Yes, indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like, why is there no word in the English language that rhymes with month? And no, you can't have bunth, nunth, lunth, sunth, or tunth. See, I'm psychic. Everyone listening to this show at the moment just went through all of those. I'll show you how good I am as a psychic. Think of a vegetable. Carrot. See, I'm on the money with everyone. Hi, America. Hello, world. My name is Adrian Lee, and I'm your host, Thinking of Carrots. Welcome to the show, More Questions Than Answers, the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites, and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk, radio, entertainment, and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre, and just plain weird. If you've just tuned in, especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you've just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests. Somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains. With the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your lights and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting and for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and reprobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming. I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show and we are completely live and unedited. What could possibly go wrong? So let me start by introducing tonight's guest panel. Firstly, the mysterious and effervescent Heather Morris. She has been a paranormal investigator for many years, with her own team called Hellhound Investigations, and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now one of the leading audio and EVP experts with the International Paranormal Society, and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather realised this week that licking a stamp gives you one-tenth of a calorie. Welcome to the show, Heather. <laughs> Hello. Have you been licking a lot of stamps recently down at the post office? Oh. <laughs> we also have with us the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. Kim found out this week that cat's urine glows under a black light. I'm guessing you've not had much to do this week, Kim. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Hello. This is 100% true. If Hansel and Gretel in the fairy tale would have taken with them a cat with a swollen bladder, squeezed it randomly as they went along the path into the woods, they could have found their way back with a black light. 
it's fun for all the family. You could take a cat with a full bladder, give it lots of milk to drink throughout the day, don't let it go outside, take its litter box away. At the end of the evening, you can go into a room in the darkness, write things on the carpet, turn on a black light, and it's fun for all the family. A bit like sparklers, really, around the bonfire. <laughs> Terrible. Finally, on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He's married to Kim, and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and leads than the BBC outside broadcast department. He is our sound engineer and producer. Greg discovered this week that if you lay all of the veins in your body out in one long line, end to end, you would be dead. Welcome to the show, <laughs> Greg. Hello. We are currently on Series 2, Episode 22. That must be lucky. Wow. A row of twos altogether, lots of little ducks. There are 22 letters, apparently, in the Hebrew alphabet. That means that playing a crossword in Israel is apparently slightly easier to the tune of one twelfth than if you were playing a crossword in this country. Tarot decks have 22 major arcana cards, of course. There are 22 stars in the Paramount Films logo, reflecting the 24 stars they were originally what? contracted to. I know, it's bizarre, isn't it? There's 22 for 24? I know. I, I did the research. There's 22 stars. If you can remember the Paramount Films logo, you've got yeah. the mountain, and yeah. then you've got a big circle of stars. It said there was 22 stars in their logo. So I looked up why, because I'm curious. I'm interested to know. I'm a sponge for knowledge. It said it reflected the original 24 stars <laughs> they signed back in the day. But when the logo got redesigned in the 1970s, they felt that two extra stars was too many and they removed them. So it's now 22, <laughs> but it was because of the 24 stars they originally signed contracts to start that film company in photography, F22 is the largest f-stop available on most lenses. And, of course, there's Catch-22, and we haven't got time to talk all about all the things that are fabulous about the number 22, but there are indeed many of them. I just want to remind our listeners that we are currently on Twitter. If people want to join me on Twitter, Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips. We now have 60,000 followers on Twitter, and we post a lot of our stories on there you can find us on facebook more questions and answers with adrian lee and you can see all of the stories from tonight posted on there and much much more that we can't read out on air because there's just too many fabulous stories from around the world did you want to discuss something heather you're looking at me with that kind of quizzical look when i mentioned twitter is there something you wanted to bring up oh <laughs> yeah i started a twitter account because i thought i'd better jump on board and because a lot of people ask about where's the stories, because I never post them on our Facebook wall. I but do. I know you do. Just saying. But I don't I'm want... I'm fulfilling my obligations to this show. But I didn't want you to see the stories, so I started my own Twitter account to hide them from you until the shows. So if you, or anybody else, not you, I guess... Not Would, me. Not you. We've got a cat called Not You. We do have a cat <laughs> called Not You. Uh, if anyone would like to look at some of the stories and the madness that is me, you can find me at MQTA Heather on Twitter. Yes, and uh, let's see if we can get you into double figures before the end of the night. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. Now, this weekend, we had a fabulous weekend. We was in a place called Baldwin, which is about 30 miles going east of Red Wing. It's in Wisconsin. Just a little 
bit away there from Eau Claire, if people are familiar with that in Wisconsin. And we investigated a building. It's called the Bradshaw House Hotel. It was built in 1871, and it was a hotel and lodging house. And it had something like 48 rooms, I believe. I I don't recall Mm -hmm. investigating a building in the Midwest that's been that much older than 1871. I've investigated Fort Snelling about five or six years ago, which is a famous landmark in minnesota and it was built originally in the 1820s to stop the brits from coming back down from canada and reclaiming the (laughs) americas and i just walked in no one even stopped me it was remarkable and so i remember investigating fort snelling 1823 i believe the colonel snelling's house was built and i investigated there i'm struggling to think of another property and i'm sure i'll think of one before the end of the show that i've investigated in this country in the midwest from 1871 i've done investigations in britain where we've looked at places that are similar to Stonehenge the Rollwright stones in Oxfordshire would be one of them and that goes back five four you know five thousand years ago so uh, I've investigated places that go back before the birth of Christ by several thousand years but certainly not much in uh, the Midwest is that old the irony is and we are going to talk very briefly about that investigation at that building the irony is this was built in 1871 the ghost that came through and interacted with me was from 2005 Mm -hmm. so you go to the oldest building you can find in the midwest you set up an investigation a guy comes through says his name's jeff i said what did you used to do here jeff he said i was the maintenance man and all this is done via the ghost box i have all of these recordings and the guy that owns this building we got in to investigate the bradshaw house in baldwin because it's owned by the booking manager of the st james hotel in red wing and we do a lot of investigations and a lot of events at the fabulous St. James Hotel in Red Wing. And he said to me in a quiet moment, I own another hotel. He said, it's in Baldwin. It's very old and it's abandoned. Would you be interested? Well, of course I'm interested. So we set up the investigations and then Jeff comes through and I'm happy to talk to Jeff. Jeff died in 2005. So I'm writing a book about the history of the Midwest I find myself in one of the oldest buildings I've investigated in the Midwest, and the ghost I get to talk to is from 2005. (laughs) Go away. Bring me an old one. I want to write about history, I tell you. But it was very interesting. There was a lady that came through, a 14-year-old girl as well, and uh, psychically I thought her name sounded similar to Adele, is what I was thinking at the time. And uh, I was having a psychic conversation with her and uh, it came through that she was 14 years old and I could see her in my third eye. She was uh, pallid of skin. She was quite thin and bony as pioneer girls were back in the day. And she had black frizzy hair and she told me it was 17, sorry, 17. That would be very early, wouldn't it? She said it was 1887 was the date she gave me. But then Greg was sitting further down the corridor for me and he was holding a thermal imaging camera called a Fleur. And he said the entity I was speaking to psychically was literally standing in front of me. He could see a blue humanoid figure because it's colder. And obviously when we're walking around on an investigation, we all look like we're in shades of orange, yellow and red because we're hot intrinsically. So I'm sat having this psychic discussion with this 14-year-old girl that I think's uh, called Adele. And Greg said, she's standing in front of you. I can see her standing in front of you on the thermal imaging camera. He said, put your hand out. So literally, I just put my hand out, and I actually put my hand through a ghost. It actually felt cold. It actually felt like I was putting my hand into a fridge. It was unique. And Greg said, and he can talk about that a little bit in a second, even though I've taken his thunder away, I suspect. I am... 
actually put my hand through this ghost and my hand was orange yellow and red because obviously i'm warm and he said my hand just disappeared it went black as i put my hand into the ghost so that was very interesting now with modern technology during the break between the vigils i looked up on my phone the census <laughs> extensive research extensive research during the 10 <laughs> minutes outside while everyone's having a cigarette and chewing gum and going for a wee not all at the same time obviously because <laughs> men can't multitask but <laughs> but i looked up the census records for 1874 and remarkably the bradshaw family that built this hotel and ran it in 1871 onwards had a daughter called addie and her name was adeline so i actually got this girl psychically and then later through the ghost box to back up my psychic work her name came through again and she actually spoke to me audibly that we've got recorded but she actually existed she was the uh, the daughter of the owner of the building and i'd spoken with her from the 1880s she turned out to be a teacher later in life and she ran a, a milliner shop which is of course hats so that was very interesting so i had a fabulous time talking to jeff and addy but heather what do you recall about investigating at the bradshaw house in the deepest darkest depths of wisconsin last weekend well speaking of deepest darkest depths we were actually it was the first vigil and we were in the basement and i was using the ghost box and uh, we had several times this name chris come through chris 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 and i got a feeling uh come over me i be, all of a sudden became very anxious and paranoid and i felt fearful and scared and when i felt that i explained it to everyone that was there i felt like i was hiding from something and um or someone more like hiding from someone almost like a domestic violence type of thing and the odd thing about that was when we went upstairs and we had our plenary after our vigil we spoke with Scott, who said, you know, that sounds very odd, considering one of our tenants that was here, um, she had got into an altercation with her boyfriend who had beat her incredibly, and she had ran into the basement specifically to hide. So that almost begs a question, you know, can traumatic events just leave an imprint on something? Because this lady was still alive. See, that's very interesting because you get residual hauntings. There's stories of Roman legionnaires walking through basements in Britain where old Roman roads used to be. And traumatic events can get imprinted and played back like a videotape. Now, I'm thinking in the back of my mind... If it can be imprinted, that you can see that event being replayed, you can't interfere with it, you can't interact with no. it, it's not intelligent, it's like a videotape. But if that traumatic event happens, what's to say that that event isn't replayed the following week, or the following month, or the following year? Right. The individuals involved do not have to be dead to make that residual haunting still happen. So that person that was hiding in the basement and fearful due to domestic violence, that imprint can be put into that basement at that moment, but they can still be alive, and that event can still be replanning itself in their lifetime. It would make perfect sense to me. Oh, absolutely. It was just, it, I'd never had that happen before. So, you know, it's a situation where we could say they were ghosts, but they weren't dead. Right which is quite remarkable at that moment. There's a book to be written in there somewhere, there I'm is, sure. There and is. Scott, of course, is the owner of the building. I don't think I mentioned his name earlier, but Scott did a fantastic job of letting us into the building. And if you get a chance to go to the St. James Hotel, um, it's a fabulous building, very professionally run, and I would recommend that highly. Kim, what do you remember from the investigation? <laughs> what were your highlights? Well, I was going to bring up Caroline and the fact that she's the newest psychic on our team. And come to find out, she had her boyfriend Adam with, and he was a little bit psychic at the last vigil. 
<laughs> yes, he did pick up one or two things. What did he pick up, Kim, and where were we? Well, all of a sudden he was saying, I, and of course you're using all of your senses when you're doing an investigation of vigil, and uh, all of a sudden he's saying, I hear a squeaking noise. And I thought to myself, I hear it too. So I said, I hear it too. Yes. We, and then I, what? Well, we, well, I thought I'd better explain. We were actually in the attic. So we're up in the attic, and uh, it's a very old building, and it's all the wooden beams and everything you'd expect from an attic from the 1870s. And we were 15 minutes into the vigil, sat in the darkness. Kim pipes up, as she quite rightly says, I can hear squeaking. I turned on my flashlight. There was a beam of light penetrated the darkness, and a bat suddenly <laughs> flew through the beam of light like the Batman logo. I swear to God I've not seen a bat that large in my life. It had tattoos and a switchblade. <laughs> I still haven't got my wallet back. So what then, what then happened, Heather? Where did, what, what took place next? Well, I very bravely started gathering all the equipment. Hang on, no, she oh. screamed like a nine-year-old girl. I looked around. She's lying face down on the floor, rolling around, kicking her legs and screaming with her sweater pulled over her head. I, and as I left the building, I was carrying a chair over my head. <laughs> you were carrying a chair over your head. And of course, you know, the best thing to do if a bat is attacking you is to carry a chair over your head. It Those didn't blood, touch me. It didn't touch you, no. It's probably trying to work out in its mind why there's a human being wandering around with four legs coming out of their head using its radar system. It reminded me of the scene in the vacation series at Christmas where Chevy Chase runs up the stairs with a squirrel on his back and everyone's screaming. So I've got this vision of everyone in the attic now screaming, running around, gathering up armfuls of random equipment and running. I'm telling you right now, the next time we investigate an attic, I'm bringing a tennis racket. racket. There we go. That's it. Good advice on more <laughs> questions and answers for the amateur paranormal investigator. Greg, I know I stole your thunder earlier, but is there anything you want to add to that story or anything else you recall from the investigation? Well, I just want to talk a little bit about, I've been using the FLIR for three years, almost three years mm -hmm. now, and we've seen a lot of different things happening but that's the first time we've ever had it happening in between one of the investigators and, and the camera itself. Yeah. So that was that was really interesting when your hand went went dark. Went through the went through the body. Yeah, this is fabulous. Hopefully we can get some photographs of this. A lot of the research we're doing at the moment is actually for my next book that's due out just before Halloween, which is good time in a course for an author, um, called The Mysterious Midwest digging up the ghostly past at more historical sites. So these, there is a reason for us to be there. We're not playing Scooby-Doo and running around with bats and flashlights, honestly. <laughs> Maybe. There is, there is some serious historical research going on here on our cell phones in the 10 minutes between vigils that we will be discussing. So hopefully those photographs we'll be able to include in the book, and uh, I'll let you know when that book comes out. There is a quiz show to be had. It is called More Questions and Answers. It is the only paranormal news quiz show anywhere in the world and i'll be very upset and annoyed if someone else comes along at some point in the future and has another one because we'll go from being unique to common in one fell swoop but i can't believe they'll do it as well as us we move into the round that is ghosts and hauntings i have a story here that says julian clary says his 15th century house is haunted by gay playwright noel coward julian clary is a very very camp comedian in britain he does a lot of sitcoms he does uh, stand-up comedy he does a lot of quiz shows and he has a lot of innuendos in his work so i couldn't possibly mention any of them on air but i'll give you one later 
<laughs> Julian Clary. So this is the, the this, this is the character we're talking about. Julian Clary has revealed his house is haunted, but it's not any old ghost causing things to go bump in the night. Apparently, the late playwright Noel Coward. Many years ago, the star lived in the comedian's 15th century house before sadly passing away in 1973. Now, more than 40 years after his death, his spirit is yet to cross over, according to Julian. The former celebrity Big Brother winner said that he realised the identity of the ghost after bringing in professional help in a bid to combat the paranormal activity in his home. We had to get the ghosts out, he said. So someone came here with divining sticks and identified four spirits, one of which was Noel Coward. The vortex where the spirits came in is outside Noel Coward's bedroom, and people have seen figures lurking in the mirror. Julian, 56, admitted that the gay playwright and his spirit world buddies were less than friendly when he first moved into the house, which sits near Romney Marshes in Kent. They seemed very disapproving, he said. Visitors were getting locked in bathrooms and pictures were falling off of walls. However, after acknowledging their existence by writing about the ghosts and by bringing in professional help, the paranormal activity has somewhat since died down. Can ghosts die down? It's a bit of an oxymoron. <laughs> Greg pointed this out to me at the weekend, actually. I said, uh, when did you used to live here or do you live here? Can you say to a ghost, do you live here? Is that even possible? Reside, I guess, <laughs> would be. Reside would be a better word. Now that he and Noah are on friendly terms, Julian and his boyfriend Ian live happily in their house along with two of their dogs. Well, if you're going to be haunted by a ghost, I would want to be haunted by a witty one. There you go. I shall give myself two points and I have started the show in resplendent form. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Ghosts and Hauntings? Did you know that ghosts are more likely to be male? Ooh. The findings, which were based on a study conducted in the 1980s by Icelandic psychologist Dr. Haraldson. So your story from the News of the Week is about a research that was done in the 1980s. Patience. Uh, also suggests that a large portion of the ghost sightings appeared to relate to people who had suffered a violent demise. Dr. Haraldson interviewed hundreds of witnesses for the study and checked official records to determine the exact cause of death in each of the cases. Personal encounters with the dead are reported by 25% of Western Europeans and 30% of Americans. Haraldson's research suggested that the ghost of a person who had died violently was more likely to appear to a complete stranger while the ghost of someone who had died of natural causes was more likely to appear to close friends and family members. That's interesting. Reported mode of death and the identity of the deceased persons were verified by checking official records, he wrote. A fair number of collective experiences were reported, some of which were verified by other witnesses. So he claims that most ghosts are male. So I'm going to open that up now to the rest of the table all of us are paranormal investigators of the highest level with the international paranormal society my take on this is that i think i've come across more male spirits than female spirits but then i've investigated factories i've investigated cargo freighters and ships on lake superior i've investigated lighthouses i've investigated forts these are places that traditionally going back 150 to 200 years were dominated by male figures so of course i'm going to get male figures now if you think about when we've investigated mansions and houses and gothic buildings from the period it's been female when we investigated in canby in the lund hole house i had joanna come through to me and she was the lady was the mother of the person who built the house when we were at the christie house i had the maid 
come through for me in Long Prairie. So I'm thinking that if I if we investigate a house or a home, I'm now thinking that we get more female activity because back in the day, traditionally, they would be in the home, right? They'd be mm-hmm. the homemakers. Right. When I've investigated businesses, for want of a better word, whether that's cargo freighters or forts, I'm getting more male activity. But you would believe that to be true, wouldn't you? So what are your thoughts on that? Is that something that you think is reflected in your work? I think that that would be correct, especially considering uh, we had essentially two women, but one male worker at the last investigation. That is true, yes. And so, maintenance men would traditionally be male, of course. Men. I mean, I'm not, yeah, I'm not being... <laughs> Well, you, you, that's, you say it's postmaster, I know. Well, you say postmaster, but Kim was a postmaster and she's female. So how does that work? <laughs> I'm confused. This country confuses me. What I will say, and I missed this uh, originally when we were talking about uh, the Bradshaw House in Baldwin, is the fact that I didn't realise, and I've now got historical documentation, that a lot of hoteliers back in the day died. And the hoteliers that took over this hotel in the late 1870s called the Dillian family, they all died because people would come from the railroad from all over the Midwest. They would come and stay in the house and they'd bring every kind of disease and every kind of illness from every part of America into that building. And a lot of hoteliers died through, I'm guessing, things like diphtheria and smallpox and Spanish flu and the like, because there's a constant railway station of people going in and out of their building with illnesses and travelling and spreading that all around. So, again, that house is haunted for those reasons. But would, back in the day, most of those travellers be businessmen? You know, if you're looking at deaths that are very traumatic, then you're looking at the Battle of Gettysburg. How many women were killed at the Battle of Gettysburg? How many people were killed on the SS Fitzgerald when that went down? How many of them were women? None. So do you see what I mean? It's very traumatic deaths, but due to the circumstances and due to the nature of those deaths, it would be predominantly masculine, wouldn't it? Yep. Does anyone want to add anything to that? It's a very intelligent cerebral conversation i think well, i'm surprising myself we need to tell some toilet jokes <laughs> heather i shall give you a big number two. Oh, great <laughs> i have a story here that says in this ambulance ghost or is this ambulance ghost snapper gets spooked by apparition in eerie picture a tourist who was on a day trip to the childhood home of beheaded queen anne boleyn has captured a spooky image of what he claims is her ghost liam archer was stunned when on a visit to hever castle he captured the image of the second wife of henry the eighth stalking the corridors do you see my east london then it was all very posh up until that point he went he captured the image of his second wife henry the eighth See what happened there? Yeah, I love the song. Just lurched into a bit of vernacular there. The 26-year-old amateur photographer took a snap of an ornate fireplace in a dimly lit living room in the 13th century Kent Castle. But it was only when he returned home and studied the photograph that he was amazed to spot what looks like a hovering hand with a long finger apparently pointing towards the chimney. Liam, who previously didn't believe in ghosts, is convinced it is the spirit of the young queen who is said to haunt the castle. He said... In the prayer room, there was a fog or a mist hovering around, and I didn't think too much of it at the time. Here I get that, actually, after my dad's been in the bathroom. (laughs) I felt like an unknown force was pulling me through the castle, but I couldn't see it, but I could definitely feel it. Have you ever been pulled in a castle, Greg? No. You're very lucky. I've been banned from the Tower of London. (laughs) 
<laughs> I didn't know what to make of it because I didn't believe in ghosts at this point. It wasn't until three months after that I realised what I had taken a picture of. I am confident this is her, he says. I believe there is something important historically inside the fireplace she wants me to recover. I don't know how good you are with history of Tudor times in Britain, but Anne Boleyn was beheaded on the accusation that she was a witch because she had a strange birthmark on her neck. So if you ever see a portrait by Holbein of Anne Boleyn, for example, she's wearing like some black lace around her neck to hide the mole. And she also had six fingers. She was polydactyl. So now he's saying, as a historian, this guy's saying, I see a ghostly hand of Anne Boleyn pointing to the chimney. I want to count how many fingers she's got, right? But... There's been a lot of historical research done and archaeology. Witches back in the day would put little bottles of urine and hair and toenail clippings in things like chimneys and in doorways under the floorboards to stop evil spirits from coming down the chimney or coming through the doors. And they've been found historically on sites they're doing archaeology on. So I wonder if she's pointing to the chimney as a witch because she's placed a spell underneath the chimney or up, up in the chimney of a small bottle i'd be interested to go and have a look or it could be a blurred photograph yes i was coming to that yes it looks remarkably like a blurred photograph where someone's taken a picture in a dark room and moved the camera and the shutter's been open for like two seconds you are welcome to go and see this i've not actually finished the story <laughs> yet you've uh, taken my thunder away oh, from me heather uh, and you're now on one I was, um, I was guessing that was my psychic great well you've guessed yourself into minus one um <laughs> Liam from Lewis, East Sussex, was exploring Hever Castle when his family, when he snapped the ghoulish picture. It appears to show a woman's hand hovering in the left-hand side of the picture, moving towards the fireplace. And again, if people wish to see this, they can go to more questions and answers with Adrian Lee on Facebook, and you can make up your own mind about what the apparition is. He says it was taken in the castle, which was the childhood home of Anne Boleyn, which later came into the possession of King Henry's fourth wife, Anne of Cleves. He never actually married her. Did you know that? He never married Anne of Cleves. He saw a fabulous portrait of her painted by Hans Holbein and he looked at this woman all the way there from the Teutonic countries, the Germanic countries, and he looked at her and he thought, that's a very good-looking woman. And when she turned up, he was amazed at how ugly she was. And Hans Holbein, the painter, nearly got his head cut off for painting her to, you know, to, to exaggerate her features. There was a bit of photoshopping done, is what I'm saying. <laughs> so the marriage, he never actually went ahead and actually married the woman. So they, he never actually married her. Um, well, that's being German for you, I guess. I'm thinking she was probably very hairy. Oh. But you're absolutely right. What would you describe this as? It does look like a blur, doesn't it? It looks like you've kind of moved the photograph after the... After the flash has gone off. The yeah. shutter was open too long. So you can make up your own mind, and I shall give myself another two points. I'm on a resplendent <laughs> oh, four, God. and Heather is back down to one. Because at the end of the day, no one likes a smart ass. <laughs> Kim, what have you got for me in the round of ghosts and hauntings? Is anyone looking for a camper to buy? I found one yes. for you. I'm looking for a camper, absolutely. It's only $700. Wow. Perfect. There, but there must be a problem with it then, I'm guessing. You've got to go somewhere to get it. It's a haunted trailer. A haunted trailer. And as Nathan pointed out to me, I didn't see it at first. Nathan pointed out to me the mileage on this trailer is 666 miles. It's the number of the beast, I tell you. <laughs> it says, I am selling a very gently used but very haunted trailer. I bought this trailer down in lower 48 with the hopes of doing some camping in Alaska. Little did I know that I was also purchasing the undead spirit of some colonial woman, probably. 
Uh, this is, by the way, on Craigslist for anybody out there that's interested. So you've been searching <laughs> Craigslist, have you, Kim? Any, anything you'd like to share with us at this moment? I need to definitely read the description to you so you know if you're interested in getting it. Okay, you've got to go to Alaska to get it, though, unfortunately. Right, yep, okay. Anchorage. Uh, here are some of the pros and cons to purchasing this trailer. Comfortably holds two average-sized adults and one ethereal specter. The walls are mold-free and sturdy. They do bleed human blood during the witching hour. That's what you want. Excellent. <laughs> Hosts the standard heating unit, keeping you comfortable during the winter months, though the heat occasionally shuts off randomly as if some immortal being were trying to avenge their death by causing your body to develop hypothermia as you slumber. It can accommodate a hot plate, but I don't recommend alphabet soup or alphabet cereal because your meal will wax poetic about your imminent demise or something. I you, never read it. You, you've got alphabet spaghetti in front of you, and it's making out the words, now you die. <laughs> Fabulous. I thought I was haunted once by a bowl of Cheerios, but it turns out it was just going, ooh. <laughs> no, no. you see what I did there? I'm on five points. This is spontaneous, and it's called wit, I tell you. Uh, he says, every dog I've ever brought into it drowned, but that's not, it's possible that's not related. That's just random. We just <laughs> has a run of bad luck of dogs drowning. How many dogs did he have? Doesn't say. Okay. Uh, it says, you'll receive visits from two twin little girls who say they want to play with you forever. Ever. The price has been reduced because he can no longer sleep through the blood-curdling screams that seem to emanate from the bowels of hell. So he says, text me if you're interested in checking it out. <laughs> Fabulous. So if anyone wants a haunted camper, it does actually look really nice on I the know, photograph. I it totally does. Get it's it. a, oh, I didn't say. It's a 2008 pop-up. Okay. Totally get it. Perfect. Well, I hope this gentleman has sold it and that there's someone out there who's having sleepless nights and having their pets drown. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Just what everyone wants. Fun for the whole family. <laughs> Fabulous. Kim has moved up to a resplendent two, and that draws to the end the round of ghosts and hauntings. Kim is on two for such a resplendent camper story. Heather is back down to one for being lippy. I am now on five. <laughs> and Greg has two because he says he's never been pulled in a castle. We move into the round that is UFOs and cryptozoology. The round of hairy beasties and green men. I'm going to talk about beasties, but these ones aren't hairy. It says, could it be the Roch Ness Monster? Terrifying five-foot beast with sharp teeth discovered in a British lake. This terrifying mystery creature found washed up on the banks of a lake could be an unknown ancient species from the murky depths. Or it could be just a pike, depending on who you ask. The corpse of the creature was discovered at Hollingworth Lake in Rochdale, Greater Manchester, yesterday. Eyewitnesses spotted the creature at the edge of the water and estimated it was almost five foot in length. Although a woman later saw it and thought it only looked like two. <laughs> the huge beast still had a mouthful of teeth, which one walker said he could fit his entire fist in. Look, an unknown fish species. Let me put my fist in its mouth. The photos posted by multiple shocked walkers sparked a debate on whether the creature was an ancient beast or just a dead pike. The shots have since become a hit online and have been shared by more than 
200 times in a bid to clear up the mystery. Sales worker Johnny Beckett, 32, said, I was just on a romantic walk with my partner Suzanne, and I turned around and I was stunned when I saw it. A man fisting a fish carcass is always stunning. I thought it was a crocodile or some ancient creature, and I immediately took a photo of it. It looked huge, about five foot in length. A group of kids saw me taking photos and looked terrified, so my wife put her clothes on and we left in a hurry. (laughs) I made that last bit up. The couple now spend romantic weekends interfering with the exhibits at the London Aquarium. If you wish to see this strange beast of Rochdale, five foot long apparently, it is on our Facebook site. More questions than answers with Adrian Lee. For extra points, and uh, Kim and Heather both need them, I'd like you to name a fish beginning with W. Walleye. You can have one point each. Anyone else want to jump in? I'm going to say Worthington. Because uh, that's a place. <laughs> um, I did see a picture of that, yes. by the way. Okay. And it's a northern. It's a northern, is it? We don't have northerns in. We have pikes. Northern pike. Pike. Okay, of the pike family. Of is, is the there a, pike. Is there a story I'm going to read tonight that you're not going to urinate all over? Is there something <laughs> I can read out that you're do not you, going to? Do you want me squash? to check your stories before you read them? <laughs> oh. <laughs> controversial you were doing so well and you're now back down to three when will you learn we've been doing this for three years when are you gonna learn there's no sense of learning is there we could have trained a monkey by now with a bag of nuts what have you got for me in the in the round of cryptozoology we now move to the monkey for tonight's stories on ufos and cryptozoology wow two points who knew you're beating heather (laughs) there must be a story in there dying to get out lizard man filmed in bishopville woods (gasps) lizard man i know a legend from a small town in south carolina has come to life this week in the form of a new video tales of a strange humanid hominid humanid (laughs) Humanid. (laughs) you say humanid i say hominid yeah whatever uh, known as the Lizard Man. That'd be like a monkey then, would it? A hominid? Okay, I'm, t- <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a monkey. Uh, anyway, the Lizard Man have been reported in the town of Bishopville and its surrounding woodland for almost 30 years. The earliest known sighting, which took place back in the summer of 1988, involved a 17-year-old Christopher Davis who was forced to stop near Scape or Swamp at 2 a.m. with a flat tire. Is it possible you could read a story in this week's news of the this from, not, patience, from the 1980s? Patience. Okay. As he worked to repair the puncture, he became aware of a strange noise in the trees nearby and a large <laughs> and a large lizard-like humanoid creature emerged right in front of him. I, for the life of me, can't do with the noise of a lizard. I'm sorry. <laughs> Terrified, Davis leapt back into his car and tried to drive away with the unidentified beast still clinging to the vehicle's roof. An inspection of the car later revealed scratch marks on the roof and a broken wing mirror. And on that farm, he had a lizard with a here and a there, <laughs> here a, there a. It could be like a little gecko walking up the wall. Oh, like he's got sticky pads. Yeah, sticky pads. I like pads. the way you've done that. <laughs> Someone bring my gecko back. <laughs> it's away. <laughs> 
fast forward to the present day, and now a new video of the creature has emerged courtesy of an anonymous man who claimed that he'd recorded it back in May while he was out hunting raccoons. While the video does appear to show something moving from far right to left between the trees in the background, the quality of the footage, of course... Uh, quality of a fetish. Fetish footage, unfortunately, makes it very difficult to Don't make out. Don't type in fetish footage on a website, Google search. <laughs> Trust me. Don't do it. I can still get deported for moral turpitude. <laughs> um, some critics have also argued that the creature itself looks like it may have been computer-generated. Wow. Is this picture available on your new Twitter site by any chance? Maybe. Remind our listeners where they can find the news that you've read out this week mqta heather on twitter on twitter fabulous you shall have two points and you're now back to a hefty five i've got a story here where it takes us to mars mystery surrounds bizarre mars space crab spotted in nasa space what space crab oh i thought you said space crap space crap <laughs> i'd be the accent, be the wow. accent. <laughs> going to the toilet's a very dangerous occupation in zero gravity you know it just just drifts past the window with a flag in it a british flag there you go that's going to be a danger to shipping <laughs> It gets solar flares. Every, every two hours you see it going over in the night sky with solar flares reflecting off of it. Is that the space station? No, it's a stall sample, madam. <laughs> a strange object seen in recent NASA image of Mars has set imaginations running wild among fans of the red planet. Social media users have been quick to declare that a slightly highlighted area of a rock face on Mars is actually an awesome Martian space crab. Not one of those nasty, horrible space crabs you read so much about. Oh. Other suggestions include it being an alien or a spider. The photo was taken by NASA sometime in July, but reappeared in Facebook group Journey to the Surface of the Moon this week, whose slogan is, they will not tell us the truth about Mars. But scientists were quick to douse the excited speculation with hard facts. Seth Shustak a senior astronomer at the Centre for SETI Research, said he put down the appearance of the space crab to a phenomena called pareidolia. Like seeing animals in clouds, this is the brain's ability to see shapes in random objects. He says he gets sent similar images showing formations like the crab about once a week. Those that send them to me are generally excited, he said, as they claim that these frequently resemble something you wouldn't expect to find on the rusty, dusty surface of the red planet. It's usually some sort of animal, but occasionally even weirder objects such as automobile parts. Maybe they think there are cars on Mars. I bet that was a woman driving. He oh, added, <laughs> recognising a crab in a landscape <laughs> filled with wind-weathered rocks is no more surprising, nor more significant than seeing a wrinkled, winking face and a semicolon followed by a parenthesis. Ever seen a wrinkled face in your colon, Greg? No. <laughs> Everyone's now looking at Kim's complexion. <laughs> Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? They have discovered a prehistoric four-legged snake. Excellent. Oh, oh, wow. It, was, did it, it didn't give a woman an apple at any point, did it, by any chance? <laughs> uh, scientists have unearthed the fossil remains of a strange species of snake with four tiny limbs. 
Dating back 120 million years, the specimen belonged to a species called Tetrapodophus. Oh, you're doing well. Amplectusand. Fantastic. Two points for Kim. <laughs> Was found within the fossil-rich crater, crater formation in the Brazilian state say, of Syrah. <laughs> say the name of that dinosaur again for me. Tetrapodophus amplectusand. But then you can't say crater in the Great. next sentence. <laughs> One point removed back on four. <laughs> Uh, even though primitive snakes with partially formed hind legs have been discovered before, this particular specimen is very unusual because it features a full set of four limbs. Isn't a reptile with four legs a lizard? And we've already discussed what noises they make. <laughs> <laughs> My lizard's getting away. <laughs> so, you're at, if you're in the desert late at night and you're in a tent and you hear... <laughs> a gecko climbing up the tank wall (laughs) it's the olympics for lizards there's a hundred meters sprint for lizards (laughs) (laughs) it's a joy isn't it uh this snake has very uh very snake-like vertebra it has a body longer than the tail it has hundreds of vertebrae it has the remains of other vertebrate animals in the stomach and so it was a carnivore all these things make it a snake the legs, however, are very small and were unlikely to have served much of a functional purpose. I'm looking at Nathan's leg now. He's got a pair of shorts on. <laughs> he's like he's got two bits of string hanging from his shorts back here. <laughs> Thank you. My pleasure. Uh, some scientists now believe, you'll like this, Adrian, that this particular specimen points to the likelihood that snakes evolved from burrowing lizards. <laughs> Making See, this a unique transitional species between the two. Wow. I, I'm on fire tonight. I'm uh, Psychically, I'm on fire. Everyone blank their minds quickly now. Think of any kind of tool that you would use in your toolbox. Think of a tool. Hammer. See? See how good I am. Everyone was thinking hammer. I know you were thinking hammer. This is a joy. <laughs> I love this show. Be sure to stay tuned as we explore further the week's news of the paranormal and strange. After these short messages from our sp- Sponsors. The Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group meets bi-monthly to discuss all things paranormal. The group's primary focus is on the topic of UFOs, but they also delve into alien abductions, cryptozoology, Bigfoots, lizards, pikes, crop circles, ghosts and Amberlin's hands. Come with an open mind and be prepared to discover the who, what, when, where, why and how of these phenomena. It's lucky I haven't got a lisp, isn't it? It'd be the, the woo, what, where, why, where, and how of these phenomena. Do you see what would happen? No. Like I'm having a stroke. <laughs> Meetings are from 7 to 9 p.m. Central Time in the banquet room of the American Legion Club in Wake Park, Minnesota. For more information, visit their website, lapig.org. For people who believe that standing in a cold canal in the middle of the night looking for a pike for hours and end is perfectly normal. The Minnesota chapter of the Mutual UFO Network MUFON meets the second Saturday of every month at the New Brighton Community Centre in New Brighton, Minnesota. Meetings are from 2 to 5 p.m. Central and include investigation reports, open mic, book reviews, videos and people sharing pictures of space crabs. Everyone with an interest in UFOs is welcome to attend. For anyone who's experienced a UFO sighting or knows someone who has, this is the place to be. Meeting agendas, driving directions and tons of UFO information can be found at mnmufon.org. If you or your business would like to sponsor the show and contribute to the slippery beast that is more questions and answers, you are more than welcome to contact me. 
In the lyrics and the words of the reggae legend that is Johnny Nash, there are indeed more questions than answers. And the more I find out, the less I know, which means I'm probably less intelligent than when the show started. I'm your host, Adrian Lee, famous for being banned in the Tower of London and for the annoying inability not to be able to say crater live on air. Welcome back for the second part of tonight's show. If you've just joined us, then where have you been and what could have been more important? If you've stayed with me, then let me raise your spirits further by saying that we still have 50% of the show still left to go. Hurrah and a happy dance all around the bedroom. Remember, you can contact the show at any time via our Facebook site, More Questions and Answers with Adrian Lee, where all of tonight's stories and much, much more can be found in glorious detail and technicolor for your perusal, including all the photographs and videos that accompany our stories. You can also write to me and send me your stories at mqta at rocketmail.com. And my Twitter account is Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips and remember at any time you can access all of our archives over the last two and a half years if you go to soundcloud or indeed itunes and type in mq ta radio you can listen to those back to back until your heart's content i've now been handed a fresh cup of tea and the promise of cookies i have fresh flashlight batteries and my mother has thankfully now stopped snoring from the room next door so on was we march into the round that is strange and bizarre it is the stories from around the world that are too strange too bizarre to be in any other round but are too good not to read out live on air i have a story here that says pee proof san francisco trials paint that repels urine the city's public works agency said it is testing a new urine repellent paint in areas popular with people looking to relieve themselves straight away <laughs> as a practical joke could you not think that you could paint the toilet bowl in your house i was just thinking that in pee repellent paint and then sit back and look at the fun as someone goes for a win it does a complete u-turn and hits the ceiling that would be a joy <laughs> wouldn't it no, no matter how much you tried you could not get that wee wee in that bowl that's what those little mats are for that sit around. It's a me. It's a women wouldn't have an issue. Well, it'd just go. It wouldn't come out. It just would not come out, would it? You could be sat there for an hour and there wouldn't be a little drop. You wouldn't have a little green bead just dripping. There'd be nothing. It would just come green. Well, what know, have you been eating? <laughs> artichokes. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I just need Gross. to drink more water. This is where we are. I like the fact that if you got trained at weeing into a bowl that's had anti wee paint painted on it you could get to a stage where you could write your name in the air and it would just stay there what would be more impressive is if i did it in heather's handwriting (laughs) (laughs) points available it says anyone choosing to use the treated walls as a toilet will see their urine bounce back see i'm not making this up according to a spokesman for the agency the agency's director got the idea after reading about the paint's use in a nightclub district in germany really wants you you want to go, don't you, to the nightclub district in Germany now if they're using this all around the walls. Hamburg's St. Pauli community group turned to the paint to cope with a problem brought by the 20 million tourists that visit the district every year. They told BBC Newsbeat that the paint seemed to be working and the problem was finally getting the attention it deserves. The paint called Ultra Ever Dry creates a barrier of air in front of the surface that will completely repel 
almost any liquid. I need a vest like that when I'm eating spaghetti. In a trial project, San Francisco authorities have painted nine walls in areas close to the bars and in neighbourhoods with large homeless populations. Signs posted on the walls written in English, Chinese and Spanish say, hold it, seek relief in an appropriate place. The idea is that they will think twice next time about urinating in public, said Rachel Gordon, the spokeswoman for the city's public wee-wee department. We've gotten many, many calls from people who wanted it done in their alley or in the buildings. Have you ever wanted it done in your alley, Greg? No. She said the cost of painting the walls is much lower than sending out workers to clean areas saturated with urine. More public toilets were also planned across the city. She added early tests in Hamburg on a Sunday morning with anti-wee-wee paint were done with cats with bladders filled to capacity and they were squeezing them randomly against the walls. Where does it go? <laughs> if you're having a wee with anti-wee paint, it's got to go somewhere. It just doesn't stay in stasis in the air. It's got, if you're having a wee and there's anti-wee paint and it's repelling it, where does it go? I mean, it's got on the tops of your shoes. It's got to go somewhere. I'm just, I'm amazed. I, there should be sponges set in certain places. I have no idea where this is going. Heather, what have you got for me in the round that is very strange and very bizarre? I have a follow-up story about something that everyone should watch out for. Wee wee. Dillas. Dillas is in case like armadillas. Yeah, armadillas. Armadillas. Yes, a Texas man shoots an armadillo and the bullet ricochets back into his face. This is a dangerous pastime shooting armadillas in this yeah, country. Yeah, you remember that story? I remember a story. Was it Florida or Texas? Uh, I don't. I Texas, think it was Texas. Texas. There was a guy shooting an armadillo and the bullet ricocheted went through the door of his trailer Trailers. and shot his mother-in-law in the arse wasn't it or some such thing? yes yeah <laughs> you know your friends are when your mother-in-law's been shot in the arse i tell you hold still i love I'll... that dilla <laughs> i did i cried when that armadillo died <laughs> a texas man was wounded after he fired a gun at an armadillo in his yard and the bullet ricocheted back and hit him in his face why aren't people wearing this as like bulletproof protection you don't I need kevlar probably... you just tie a couple of armadillos to yourself and go running across the battlefield there you go cast County Sheriff Larry Rowe said the man, who was not identified, oddly enough, went outside his home in Marietta, Texas at around 3 a.m. local time Thursday morning. He spotted the Dilla on his property and opened fire. His wife was in the house. He went outside and took his 38 revolver and shot three times at the armadillo. The animal's hard shell deflected the, at least one of the three bullets, Bam. which then struck the man's jaw. <laughs> Oops. Oh, nice catch, sir. Uh, the man was airlifted to a nearby hospital where his jaw was wired shut. I bet she loves that Dilla, too. <laughs> it's now a pet and it's being used in the house. <laughs> but the status of the animal is unknown. We didn't find the armadillo, the sheriff said. What's the obsession with shooting them? I, I don't mean, they're know. fairly innocent creatures, aren't they? I think so. I think they're sweet and innocent. Okay. I've never seen one hanging out outside a bar, if that's what you're asking me. I've never been held up in the high street with a gang of armadillos delinquently asking for my wallet. But they are doing good at pegging off people. That's all I'm telling you. Yes, I've never been to Texas. In the streets of Austin, this may happen every day, and I don't even know about it, is what I'm saying. Apparently, if you travel down around there, you can see lots of armadillos, like, lying dead on the side of the road. Oh, well, I must make the effort to drive 2,000 miles to see that. Kim, <laughs> what have you got for me in the round of the strange and the bizarre? Ask me what state we're going to go to. Florida. Yes. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> 
Wicked ritual killing leaves family of three dead in Pensacola. I feel bad about cheering now. Thanks for setting me up, Kim. (laughs) (laughs) Any more child killing stories you want me to... We had to have a little bit of fun just by saying Florida. Okay. A triple homicide in Florida is suspected to be a Wiccan ritual killing related to the blue moon. Oh. The three victims, all from the same family, were found after a welfare check on July 31st. Uh, Von Seal Smith, 77, and her two sons, Richard, 49, and John, 47, were discovered when one of the son's employers realized he hadn't shown up for work. Von Seal and John both died of blunt force trauma. I'm not sure I want to say how they died. Let's leave it at blunt okay. force trauma. They were hit with an armadillo. <laughs> they were shot and then other things. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, when asked how the evidence suggests that they were ritualistic or Wiccan killings, the sergeant said the injuries to the victims, the positions of the bodies, and also the person of interest right now is a practitioner. Uh, Wicca is a religion that claims to draw on the pre-Christian traditions of Western Europe, and while most practitioners engage in some form of magical practice and nature worship, they may believe in a variety of deities. The religion does not encourage the practice of ritual killings. I'm concerned to a degree that people don't know their history of religions especially witchcraft and wicca wicca was invented in the 1950s it talks about pre-christian to be pre-christian you're looking at sort of 3000 bc you know moses abraham all of that carry on wicca was invented i believe in 1953 there is a distinction between Wicca and witchcraft. I mean, witchcraft goes back, you know, to the Druids and Stonehenge, you know, four, five thousand BC. And I can certainly see that the Christians have cherry-picked Wiccan festivals or, or witchcraft festivals and brought them into their own. That's been well documented, of course. The Pope Gregory in 600 wrote a letter to the Bishop of London and said we need to embrace more pagan uh, festivals into our Christian calendar to get the pagans to come over to Christians, Christianity. This has been documented. So I just find it remarkable. Wicca, if people look that up, is a very modern religion. So more research to be done there, I believe. But certainly... There shouldn't be a religion where people are dying due to their rituals. It's just ridiculous. We flop aimlessly and drunk into the round that is not for your mother. It is the round where your mother should be escorted out of the room for fear of offending her delicate sensibilities. Any minors in the room also need to be removed. These are the stories from around the world that are too innuendo laden to read out live on air you are currently now listening to us on soundcloud so thank you for joining us on there and thank you for finding us do tell your friends and family and post the show on your facebook and twitter accounts i have a story here that says woman claims she is in a sexual relationship with bigfoot nice i know right (laughs) give him a shave he'll be fine (laughs) Nancy Hogarth told Bigfoot Tracker that she has the infamous Bigfoot in a sexual relationship since 2008 and they're trying to start a family. She claims that it's just a hairy guy that's probably saying I'm Bigfoot. So he's hairy, he's tall and large, he sits in front of the sofa and he doesn't say anything. This is the Midwest. She's just finding a guy. (laughs) (laughs) She claims that Bigfoot lives in Mason County, Washington. And that she first encountered the beast whilst tending to her marijuana plants. Can you, <laughs> can you spot the key word in that sentence? It's um, plants. Washington. 
Bigfoot was standing there eating all the buds off my plant, Hogarth said. At first I wanted to run because he was very, very scary. But I thought he might eat all of my marijuana plants and that's how I used to make a living. I pointed my shotgun at him and he put his hands in the air as if he was scared. How would Bigfoot know to put his hands in his air? You're absolutely right. It's a human convention. There's some things that humans put in place like the you know the little z's you get in a comic to say that you're going to sleep like z's that has to be invented right if you're showing in a comic book someone hitting a tennis ball and you see the tennis ball and then you get the little toenail clippings behind it so it looks like it's going through the air that's an invention of the 20th century to show movement that didn't exist before the italian futurist art movement in the early 1920s and the late 1910s these things are conventions that humans have put in place that are symbolism that only humans would know so putting your hands up is a case of showing your enemy or your adversaries that you haven't got a weapon and that there's nothing that there for them to worry about how would a bigfoot living in the woods have a human convention that he's putting his hands up to say i don't have anything does that make sense to you yes this is like anthropology right I'm just saying this would suggest to me that she's making it all up. Who knew? I'll continue. It says, that's when I looked down and noticed he had a huge erection between his legs. What? It says I hadn't got any in a while. And well, from there, it somehow turned into an adult movie. What kind of adult movie is this woman watching? If in the middle of a marijuana Harry and the Hendersons. Yeah. <laughs> Harry and the Hendersons do Dallas. What is she watching? Right turn, Clyde. Hogarth said the relationship blossomed from there. They are now sex partners and they're now deeply in love. She says, I don't know how it started, but apparently he did her well from behind and it felt great. He is so sweet and caring. Apparently he's going to the vets next week week to get his fingernails clipped. He is so sweet and caring, Hogarth said. He brings me flowers and mushrooms. There's another clue, isn't there? holds me while we stargaze the only downside is that he doesn't speak english i've taught him how to say my name but it's kind of garbled and he mispronounces it as none say well he's further along than most grade age students than i would suggest hogart said they're trying for a baby with no luck thus so far but she is confident it will happen even though she's 52 years old (laughs) once i'm pregnant bigfoot or john as i call him we are going to settle down and live in a quiet, domesticated life in a house. He loves living in the forest, but I'm sick of the long-distance relationship. She's <laughs> going to bring this poor animal out of the woods in its natural habitat, and they're going to be living in an apartment in Washington. I can't wait to see her take him to the pet groomers. Oh, God. I can't wait to see the <laughs> wedding announcement. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to eat the bouquet of flowers. I have to commute for three hours to be with my man. It's getting old and gas is expensive. Hogar also said she's going to legally change her last name to Nancy Bigfoot. Now that marijuana is legal in Washington state, I don't have an income, Hogarth said. So capitalizing on my boyfriend's fame is how I plan to make money. Well, isn't it lucky for her that when her business suddenly falls flat and she's got no income, that remarkably, by a fabulous stroke of luck, she's now having an affair with Bigfoot and she's selling photographs. Wow, can you believe how lucky this woman is? It's remarkable. Other people would be struggling to think, what will I do next? How will I get my income from now on in? And this has fallen in her lap. It's remarkable. Heather, what have you got for me in the round of the strange, bizarre of the not-for-your-mother variety? Distillers in China 
have added Viagra to popular alcoholic beverages. I'd like a stiff drink, please. <laughs> <laughs> when you're swallowing it, could you get a stiff neck? Uh, no, no, <laughs> okay, no. Okay, just moving. Officials in southern China say that they have seized thousands of bottles of alcohol that had Viagra added as an ingredient. That's fabulous. The accused distillers were mixing the drug into a popular Chinese alcoholic beverage known Called as... Coca-Cola. Oh, no. Baiju or Shaozu, and promising drinks would provide health-preserving qualities. Really? I guess it's going to keep you fit and healthy. I guess. Authorities say that they have confiscated more than 5,300 bottles of the tampered beverages as well as packets of a white powder called sildenafil, a drug that combats erectile dysfunction and is sold as Viagra and other trade names. The seizure was valued at about $113,000. Police are investigating the two distillers who ran the Gaikun and the Deshun alcohol plants in Laozhou. Issues with China's food and drug safety were recently highlighted when authorities in the Hunan province confiscated 800 tons of 40-year-old meat and poultry that had been smuggled from Vietnam. The find was part of a nationwide crackdown that spanned 14 provinces, netting cash values collectively at more than $480 million. Wow. What are they going to do with this stuff? Are they going to pour it down the drain? or I don't know. I had read something about that whole zombie meat, I think is what they call it. Zombie meat? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know the Italian government is so corrupt and changes so often that they have more elections than a Chinaman on his honeymoon? Just saying. Kim, what have you got for me in the round of Not For Your Mother? Do me a favor and make that monkey noise again. (laughs) Cotton chips twice, please. Man claims he's Tarzan, swings from trees, and tries to enter the Santa Ana Zoo monkey exhibit. He tries to enter it. I tried to enter Miss World, but she had a harassment order then put against me. (laughs) A man was arrested after police say he swung from trees and tried to enter a monkey exhibit at the Santa Ana Zoo, all while claiming to be Tarzan. Kent Yamaguchi, the zoo's director, was the one who made the bizarre 911 call on Tuesday. We have a gentleman who appears to be under the influence of something and is climbing in our trees and jumping into animal exhibits. <laughs> <laughs> the dispatcher that got the calls, her response was, oh, okay, wow. <laughs> she said, oh, not again. <laughs> Yamaguchi said the man later identified by police as 37-year-old John William Rodenborn was shirtless and climbing trees near the zoo's aviary. He climbed up into the tree and then proclaimed himself that he was Tarzan and that he was here just to have a good time. After Rodenborn ignored Yamaguchi's request to get down, Rodenborn did a lap and then found a new perch atop the waterfall in the Black Howler (laughs) Monkey exhibit. I wonder if she's been hanging out with that woman, Nancy, from Washington. What do you think? Do you think they're sharing stuff? Wow. Uh, He was covered with mud and he was in the trees saying, I am Tarzan. And we knew at that point something was probably wrong. So being naked and climbing the trees covered in mud in a zoo was perfectly normal up until that moment. My bad. Yamaguchi said the monkeys never saw the man. 
He doesn't believe they were in danger. He called 911 and his staff kept visitors out of the area as a precaution. To be fair, he was only targeting the female monkeys, so there was nothing odd about it. <laughs> and for clearing the people out, we did the same thing for an agitated agitated person as we would for an escaped agitated monkey. Well, he got shot. <laughs> With darts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't there a story about two years I ago? Think, yes. There was a guy in a zoo that got told he was an employee to dress up in a tiger costume, go running through the zoo. I think it was a monkey costume. Was it a monkey or a gorilla? He they was, were doing it as like you would do like a, a fire drill. Yeah. Yes. They told him to put a monkey suit on, run through the zoo. They would do a drill as if you know a monkey had really escaped or a gorilla, and they would you know go through their procedures. There was a guy that had only started there that week, <laughs> shot him <laughs> with a dart. With a dart, oh, yeah, with people. A dart. It was a dart big enough to bring a lowland gorilla down. Apparently, the guy didn't wake up for three days. Fabulous, Heather. What have you got for me tonight in the round of not for your mother? I'm going to Florida. Yay! <laughs> Police say ex-surgeon arrested after Florida man left with a deformed penis. Left? What was he doing? Where did he go? Oh, uh, well, he he was just left with it. He was didn't it leave circum- it anywhere. It was a circumcision No, no. He, he um, came in with a perfectly fine penis. And then he left with a not-so-fine penis. He can now wee round corners. There was a rabbi that was performing a circumcision and slipped, and apparently he got the sack. (laughs) You can't do the wind sounds as good as me. (laughs) Minus two points for Heather. If there's any precipitation or weather sounds to be done, I'm your man. Stick to the gecko running noises. (laughs) A former surgeon was arrested Friday after a South Florida man underwent procedures that left him with a severely deformed penis. And now he looks like a banana. Well, I could only hope. He can shock the monkeys at the zoo, though, by pushing it through the cage. (laughs) Can monkey grabbing hold of it, trying to take the... Yeah, you can have the banana. Take it, pull it, grab the banana. Don't peel the skin back. We're going to get taken off air. We are going to get taken off air. We can't put this out. Keep going. (laughs) Mark David Schreiber, 60, was charged with unlicensed practice of health care and was being held without bond. So he wasn't actually practicing. He had no qualifications. That's like going to the strip mall and seeing someone writing his spray paint, gynecologist, because you think, yeah, that's legit. That's right. Neary... Carvajal, 48, is believed to be connected to the case and a warrant is out for her arrest. According to NBC Miami, the victim said he first met Carvajal in 2012 and eventually went to her warehouse in Hylia for several cosmetic procedures, including gluteal and chin injections. Carvajal is not licensed to practice medicine in the state of Florida, the arrest warrant states. But he's read, he's read a dummy's guide to plastic surgery and he's watched a few YouTube videos. Yes. Okay. That's how I became a Reiki healer. No, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> the victim decided to get his penis enlargement in March of 2014. Can't and you just get a bicycle pump and like... Be like a big balloon animal. Do it. Do it now. Big balloon animal. You could sit there and turn your weenus into giraffes and dolphins and camels and be great fun at children's parties wouldn't it if you inflated your weenus with a bicycle pump and then made balloon animals for the kids i'm just saying do it do it now no i can still get deported for things like that (laughs) anyway he was going to get his enlargement there's me discussing balloon animals at children's parties with overinflated penises and then you say 
anyway. anyway. <laughs> like, that's a regular conversation we have. Isn't it? No. Oh. <laughs> anyway. Give <laughs> us on minus three. Um, the victim decided to get his penis enlargement in March 2014 and paid a hefty $1,500. Can't you just put it in a beehive? I guarantee within an hour it'd be twice the size. But it wouldn't stay that way. <laughs> just stay saying. that way long enough for you to be able to use it you don't be using it constantly i mean my willy's always there right it doesn't mean i'm not using it all the time it's just nice to know it's there if you have a jar of bees beside the bed i'm gonna laugh no i've got a jar of worms <laughs> oh <laughs> i've not been to prison but i understand that's the way to go <laughs> god uh, the victim later visited Carvajal again so she could take this filler that was put in out. But this time, Carvajal set him up with Schreiber, who was introduced as Dr. Mark, the Warren Did you know States. this is why when you go to prison, everyone wants to work in the garden? I'm telling you, that's the God's honest truth. The garden is the best job to have in a prison because it allows you access to worms. I'm just saying. It's the God's honest truth, I tell you. Have I ruined the show? I'll get my coat. Hang on, I'm leaving. You're on your own. Right, You're on go. your own. Let's go. go. Um, let's see. After paying Schreiber $1,000 to surgically remove the filler that was put in and kind of made him all wonky. Was it sucked out like poison? Uh, no, I think it was with a hypodermic. Oh. Uh, the victim said he woke up and saw blood-soaked bandages, but Schreiber advised that this was normal. The man alleges his penis is now severely deformed and has no feeling in his penis when urinating. Why? Do you feel your penis when you're urinating? I've seen a photograph of it and it looks like Winston Churchill. <laughs> so I'm, you know. He is also unable to engage in sexual relations, according to the warrant. Triber was previously sentenced to two years in prison in 2008 for practicing without a license. Is this in Florida? <laughs> Yes, it was in Florida. You never listen to my stories. I do. I was just wondering how many times we have to read out Florida stories and have the word sexual and relations in the same sentence. <laughs> the last story is not for your mother. Stra anyway. 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 <laughs> Stra anyway. Stratford man accused of performing sex act with shrubbery. In Florida. In Florida, an 81-year-old Stratford man has been charged with public indecency, accused of performing a sex act with some shrubbery. If I can still perform a sexual assault on all kinds of fauna and flora and I'm 81, I will be happy. Police said in the Connecticut Post they arrested Wallaceburg on Monday after a neighbour showed them a video he took of a naked man in the bushes outside Berg's home. Police say the neighbour told them he'd confronted Berg, who then stopped the indecent behaviour, covered himself with a grill cover, apologised and went into his house. A grill cover's not going to cover much from a barbecue, is it, is what I'm saying. Berg was charged with public indecency and second-degree breach of the peace he was released after posting a ten thousand dollar bond and is due in superior court apparently the azalea has also refused to comment but a nearby hydrangea said that she was asking for it and always behaves in this lewd manner after having her root ball fed police have dug a hole and are now looking into it <laughs> terrible I, can i ask a question you can ask anything you wish this is the show more questions than answers how does one what have sex was with he a doing? bush? He was performing a sex act on a bush. Like what? Like what? 
Well, I'm guessing his trousers are down and there's plenty of foliage on display and she was asking for it and there was young nubile shoots Did coming it say through. what kind of a bush? I am assuming... A burning bush. It was not a burning bush by any chance, was it? That's just Only Nathan has that. That is true and he needs to drink more cranberry juice. <laughs> <laughs> was it, it a not, thorny bush? It, the bush hasn't been mentioned. I had a guess and thought azalea, but, you know, it could have been a rhododendron a or a wigglia. Where is a it? A wigglia? A wigglia. You're going down a road here and it's very dangerous. What What are you trying to get? There's a joke at the end of this rainbow, isn't there? No, I'm actually very curious. I don't know. It did not specify from a horticultural perspective what kind of bush he was interfering with. I'm guessing it's not holly. Was it a trimmed bush? You've wasted <laughs> two minutes of my life to get that joke out. When I'm on my deathbed and I'm sat there with my death rattle, the last moments of my passing with my family and friends around me, I'll think back and think, that's two minutes I'm in credit. I could have had another two minutes of living. And you've denied me that and taken that away from me. Damn you in your ways. And that is why you're now on minus two. That brings to an end a round of Not For Your Mother. Well, all good things come to an end. So let us look at tonight's scores. In last place, it is Greg, whose scores are resplendent five for saying no and yep so fabulously well he has the k2 meter with the dead battery in third place it is kim on six in second place i have seven but heather despite two rounds of getting minus points streaks into the lead and has a nice rounded eight and she will win tonight's thirty-three thousand dollar ir camera really do not well i can read this (laughs) there is fluid movement on these scores i mean i can make myself win if you want me to (laughs) wow the excitement is palpable do not fear listener remember we are back with a whole new bunch of stories from the 1980s next week at the same time with the paranormal strange intriguing bizarre and weird please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my facebook site more questions and answers with adrian lee or you can email me your stories and comments at mqta at rocketmail.com you can also join my twitter account at adrian underscore lee underscore tips and remember that we have an extra 20 to 25 minutes of our show still to go if you join us on soundcloud and go to mq ta radio we have a round called not for your mother things we couldn't possibly read out live on air for fear of getting a ten thousand dollar fine and being removed but if you go to soundcloud and go to mqta radio you can hear those stories the stories that are rude they have been laden with innuendo and shouldn't be for your mother to hear my gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Yaton Drainer, Kim and Greg Gore, Nathan Bush, and all at the International Paranormal Society at IntParanormal.net. And all of the show's sponsors, including the Lakes Area, Paranormal Interest Group, MUFON of Minnesota, and the Society for Wee Wee in Hamburg. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening, and remember, be interested and interesting. Good night. <laughs>